Hello, my Rebels. Today, I'm going to take a break from talking about our own battles to talk about the battles Canada has against the Chinese Communist Party. And my friends were losing. I'll kick it off by reading to you a tweet written in Chinese by a Trudeau senator taking China's point of view against Canada. It really is shocking. And I'll show a few more examples in the same vein. We'll also interview Sheila Gunn-Reed, who was out there at the Grace Life Church protest on the weekend. I'd like to invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus so you can see the video version of this podcast. Over the next few days, that's going to be particularly important as we roll out our video footage from our big Montreal battle, the, the Battle of Montreal, where we were surrounded and swarmed by Montreal's police. Obviously, you'll be able to pick up some of that in an audio podcast, but it really is a feast for the eyes and shocking to boot. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's only eight bucks a month. You get this video version of the podcast, plus shows by Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, and Andrew Chapados. It's a lot uh, you get for eight bucks, which is about half the price of Netflix, and you'll never see this stuff on Netflix. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, Canada's policy towards China is worse than ever. I'll give you some examples. It's April 13th, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this tweet. It's written in the Chinese language, even though it's by a Canadian senator. His name is Yuan Pao Wu, and he was appointed by Justin Trudeau. You can see the translation under it. I'll read it. Unless the British Columbia High Court decides to release Miss Meng, the final settlement of the case will be political. Everything that happened before this was just a long tug of war. This interference also applies to the detention cases of Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. If both parties do not recognize the legitimacy of each other's judicial system and do not allow both parties to find a solution under their own systems, it will not be possible to finally solve the problem. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's a Canadian senator, but he's saying Canada must respect the Chinese dictatorship's fake sham trial. And we must let Meng Wanzhou, the CFO of Huawei, go. And we must interfere politically. We can't let our independent court be independent. That is, word for word, the party line of the Chinese Communist Party, but it's being elocuted by a Canadian senator. The fact that it's in the Chinese language is just the icing on the cake. You have a Trudeau senator arguing the Chinese dictatorship's case against our court system. And that's just fine. Look at this. This is also from Parliament. It's an order paper question. With regard to scientific research and experimental development, support, including tax credits, provided to Huawei since 2016, what is the total amount of SNR and ED support provided annually to Huawei 
broken down by year and by type of support. So that's a member of parliament. They don't just have oral questions, they have written questions. An MP named John Nader is saying, how much money have we given Huawei, one of the world's largest high-tech companies, China's rival to Google, Huawei, a company that really stole its intellectual property from Nortel. Well, here's the Canadian government's answer from Diane Le Boutillier, the Minister of National Revenue. She says, Mr. Speaker, the CRA is unable to respond in the manner requested as confidentiality provisions of the Income Tax Act prevent the disclosure of taxpayer-specific information. In other words, the money that the Canadian government gives to Huawei is a Canadian secret from Canadians. Well, it just gets worse. Remember in December when I had the scoop of a lifetime, when the government of Canada accidentally gave me a 34-page top-secret document, but instead of blacking out the secret parts, they just shaded it a little bit. Every word was still readable. We called it the China Files, and it was an amazing roadmap to the battle within the Canadian government the military that didn't want to do joint exercises and joint training with the Communist People's Liberation Army of China versus Trudeau and the foreign ministry that still did. It was incredible. And I actually had a great interview with Aaron O'Toole of the Conservative Party. That sort of blew up when he was embarrassed that we published the interview. I don't really know what went on. But anyways, that was a very important scoop. I think the biggest of my life. And look at this. This is an exchange in Parliament um, now, on this same subject, uh, not back in December, but now because Harjit Sajjan, the defense minister, was before the committee. So it was an opportunity for uh, opposition MPs to put questions about this to the defense minister. I want to show you the first one. This is by the conservative critic, James Bazan. By the way, I invited James Bazan to come on my show three times to talk about it but he hasn't been given permission to do so by Aaron O'Toole. It's too bad. Uh, here, take a look at this question to Harjit Sajjan. How many troops and what were their ranks that were from the PLA? General Kediu, can you answer that question? Um, Mr. Chair, for, for the, the exercise that uh, Mr. Bazan, Bazan is referring to in February 2018, 18, there were five members of the PLA that were present as observers. Uh, they ranged in ranks from uh, the, the lowest rank was a sergeant. The highest rank was a major general, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. We know from documents accidentally released by Global Affairs Canada that the decision by the CDS to cancel the winter training exercise with the Chinese troops only happened after our five I partners warned us there could be a dangerous sharing of military information and sensitive doctrine if it went ahead a second time in 2019. So, Minister, were you prepared to go ahead with this exercise up to that point because Global Affairs Canada and the Minister of Foreign Affairs told you to? Uh, or did you allow uh, the, the military itself to actually make the decision to cancel it? No, we, Mr. Chair, as I stated in my earlier testimony, were arrested, I gave direction that we were not to have any further involvement when it comes to the training. Well, that's pretty good. If, even if James Bazan doesn't want to talk to Rebel News, I'm glad he's at least using our research to put a question to Harjit Sajjan. I was also impressed that the Bloc Québécois asked a question in the same vein. Here, take a look at that. Let me go back to the question that was put by Mr. Bazan at the outset. To better learn what has led the Minister of Defence to accept a joint exercise with the People's Republic of China 
on Canadian soil? And what are the reasons for which the Minister of Foreign Affairs, from what you have heard, wanted to keep that exercise going? Let me make it very clear, Mr. Chair, um, that it was the Minister of Foreign uh, Affairs. We never actually had any discussion about this. I mean, I can't talk about whatever internal discussions that might have happened at the lower level of global affairs, but one thing I can tell you when it came to defense, uh, this exercise, I wasn't aware that it was actually taking place. It was based on uh, the agreements that were done, as I stated, signed by the, uh, by, by the previous government, and that work was uh, continuing. Obviously, after uh, the uh, our two Michaels uh, were arbitrarily uh, detained, um, I gave direction that we were not to continue with any type of uh, further relationship, and that's exactly what we have right now. Uh, Harjit Sajjan is pretending that the decision to train Chinese troops on Canadian soil in the last couple of years was a decision made by Stephen Harper. It's a bit of a stretch and it's a bit embarrassing, but I'd be embarrassed too if it happened under my watch. But it's important to know that there were eight different joint projects between the Canadian Armed Forces and the People's Liberation Army um, in that year done with China and Canada. So one of them was winter warfare training at an Ontario base. But there were also training of Chinese officers at our military colleges. I simply don't believe that all of those have been cancelled because if you remember the China Files, and you can see them at thechinafiles.com, the government specifically ordered the military not to cancel any more joint projects with China's army without explicit permission from Trudeau first. I want to show you one more thing that goes to Harjit Sajjan's shredded credibility. Um, and it's namely that he was either covering up for or willfully blind to sexual misconduct at the highest level of military brass. Here's an article by Global News that shows that Harjit Sajjan was blaming everyone but himself, claiming he simply didn't know that General Vance was uh, accused of sexual misconduct, even though he gave him a raise, even though the ombudsman didn't have power to act alone, they had to have the minister take action. I won't get into the details of that sordid story, but it goes to the point that when Justin Trudeau and Harjit Sajjan talk about being a feminist army and a feminist government, they don't really mean it if it affects their senior leadership, the liberal team. They get a free pass for sexual misconduct, as indeed Justin Trudeau himself has after sexually harassing uh, Rose Knight back in Creston, B.C. My point is not about sexual harassment. We know male feminists are that way. My point today is about China and whether it's Chinese-Canadian senators unfortunately taking China's side against Canada or grants to Huawei that are a secret from Canadian taxpayers or the defense minister making excuses for training Chinese troops. Looks like Justin Trudeau has learned nothing in the last five years. Stay with us for more. Well, of course, a huge story, uh, at least the, the dramatic story that we've been focused on for several days is the foiled police raid on the Rebel News houseboat Airbnb out in Montreal. 17 of us, the cops held us hostage, really, for 10 hours while they tried to get a search warrant to inspect our rooms and our belongings. So bizarre. 
But while we were involved in that drama in Montreal, thousands of kilometers away in Edmonton, our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed, was at the site of another and much more important drama, namely that of the Grace Life Church in Parkland County, just outside of Edmonton. It was the first Sunday service time since the government occupied and expropriated the church. Here's a clip from Sheila's report, which we just broadcast today. Because people are finally waking up and unifying. And right when we start to wake up, we do something like this. This will be looked at as if the U.S. Capitol building. If we rip this thing down, we'll be no better than them. And you know how far back that'll push our cause? All we've done for nine months will be gone because some yahoos decide to rip down a fence. Makes no sense. I believe it's very important in this country that we have the freedom to worship. Um, it's paramount. I came because there's enough tyranny. It's, it's time to end this nonsense. This is just total overreach. To seize uh, the land and the church. That's what happened with my grandfather when they seized his land and they seize the right to go to church and they turn all our priests into traitors, you know, for the government. Sometimes when you listen to uh, Pastor Pawlowski, you can think, well, like, isn't he just a little bit too far calling those uh, uh, the, uh, policemen uh, Nazis and uh, Gestapo? Unfortunately, that was w that's what we learned from history. And joining us now via Skype is our friend Sheila Gunn-Reed. Sheila, I watched your whole report and you certainly emphasized that actual people affiliated with the church, they didn't want to tear down the fence. The tearing down of the fence was by people who came there for a political protest, but the folks at the church, they sort of said, well, look, we could have torn down that fence if we wanted to. Um, explain the two different camps, and I think I might be a little bit more belligerent on this than you, but why don't you explain the two different points of view that were at that protest of nearly a thousand people on Sunday? Sure. And I don't even know where I sit on this. I, I might, depending on the day, be in the pull the fence down camp, but at the same time, it's also the church's facility and the, belongs to the congregation. So I guess, you know, you have to sort of follow their lead. But on Sunday, so it was the first Sunday, as you say, after the church itself had been uh, seized, really, and then militarized by the province of Alberta. And so there was a protest staged at the same time as the congregation was meeting off-site. And I think this is a very interesting side story. So the majority of the congregation of Grace Life were meeting elsewhere, off-site. They've basically gone underground the same way the churches in China have gone underground. Because for them, it's not about the building. It's not about the bricks and mortar or the land. For them, all they want to do is gather together unrestricted by the government. That's what this has always been about. That's why Pastor James Coates went to jail and turned himself in. And that's why he remained in jail is because he would not agree to bail conditions that required him to limit his congregation to 15% of capacity. So while the fight for religious freedom is, you know, symbolized by the fences put up by the province for the church themselves, they are meeting elsewhere because all they want to do is gather. And as you rightly point out, they could have pulled those fences down at any time. The farmer next door is sympathetic to the church. He's got equipment. He can yank the fence down at any time. They never did. But 
people came to the church to protest. And there were a few different camps. There were some highly religious Christians that were there. People came in with a cross. People were singing. People were praying. People were praying for the police. They were praying for the government for a peaceful resolution to all of this. There were some people who were angry with the government and angry with the police. And then there were others who felt like they had to do something. And I understand how people get there. I do. But that what that has never been the church's viewpoint. Those people who were angry and felt like they had to do something walked up at one point and pulled the fence down. And as quickly as it happened, people who were sympathetic to the church, and I know there was one lady who was actually a congregant at the church, started leading a chant uh, to leave the fence alone. And the fence went back up as quickly as it came down. And again, as I say, for the congregation, it's not about the building at all. The, the state can seize the building. The state seized their pastor. Another one was in his place. That's not what this is about for them. It's not about the fence coming down. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what was so bizarre to me was that the government's response, and it was their planned response, because you've been covering yep. it from the beginning, was to have scores of heavily armed SWAT-style police there. And when the fence came down, they deployed dozens, maybe, yep. I don't know, I've seen reports as varying from 50 to 200. And what are you going to do if you got mums and kids pushing a fence down? I mean, and all you have are police with guns. Are you seriously going to shoot someone because a kid or a mum pushed a fence down? Like, Like it implied you touch this and we will be deadly violent to you. Uh, what an absolute disgrace. I wonder what they would have done. I think they would have loved to have put a bullet into someone. When you muster dozens of police and, and build an armed garrison, which is what they've done to this church, presumably you want to use the weapons. When generals buy new weapons, it's like a kid with toy. You want to play with them. Uh, when you turn a church into a government fortress, there's an implication that you want to use that for it. I thought it was super gross. But I want to get back to something you said. I think you used the word underground churches. Mm-hmm. I first heard the phrase house church in regards to China. Christians who could not have an actual church, they would meet in their house because they would hope it would be undetected by the Chinese secret police. There were some underground churches, secret churches. That is a very China thing. Yeah. That's a very Arabia thing. The fact that you have a secret underground church in Canada that is being held in secret to evade the secret police is something that I don't think most Canadians know is happening because the, the media party certainly isn't saying it. We are at the stage where Christians are running away and hiding to practice their religion because of all people, Jason Kenney, in all places, Alberta, is hunting them. Yeah, I mean, and Jason Kenney fancies himself to be a Christian. I think he's Roman Catholic, just like me. But this is the sort of thing that, as you point out, happens in you know, parts of the Middle East, in China. But it also was very um, much a part of the early Christian church. 
that Christians scattered off to house churches and worshipped in secret and worshipped in caves. And what's happening here is actually the same thing that happened with the early church. When you force Christians to scatter and hide, what it does is it perpetuates the church and it spreads the church. And because of what's happening to Grace Life, their congregation has never been more committed and has never been bigger and has never been more vigorous in their faith. I could go to the Grace Life congregation next week. I've heard through the grapevine that I'm invited to their secret location, but at the same time, it's their church. The fact that they have to run away and hide, that's a story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's their church. The, the fact that they have to hide away to just hold services unconstrained by the state is an absolute catastrophe. It flies in the face of everything that Jason Kenney ever presented himself to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, this story uh, will be at the church site because people are continuing to gather because they're outraged and other people can't even believe what they're seeing mm -hmm. because it's so abnormal mm -hmm for anything that has ever occurred in the Western world in recent memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I read some pundit in the UK, I can't remember who, say, uh, the reason why these liberal democracies are succumbing to totalitarianism and police states so easily is because so many people just can't believe what they, they're seeing. I think there's some truth to that, but I think that's another way of saying we were never really as brave as we claimed to be. We never really believed as much as we claimed we did. And, and aren't we so easily given uh, excuses to accept and compromise and tolerate the intolerable? I find it interesting, I've observed both on video and personally attending a great number of these gatherings across the country, including in Montreal on the weekend, and I note the number of new immigrants to Canada who came from formerly totalitarian regimes. And there's this one clip in your video of a woman who I think came from Poland and she yes. talks about how the priests were criminalized by the communist state. Here, take a quick look at that. It's, it's more than just the church. Uh, it's, it's about our freedom of rights. It's about being free to, to uh, be who we are. And then what happened with the church it's above the law, in my opinion, because I came from a communist country and to seize uh, the land and the church, that's what happened with my grandfather when they seized his land and they seized the right to go to church and they turned all our priests into traders, you know, for the government. And this is more about, it's more than COVID, it's more about the, the mask, it's about the rights to seize the land which doesn't belong to the government it's a private land what's next are they going to come and take my car and my business and my house that is the question we have i am here today for the freedom i came 37 years ago to canada for freedom and here i am fighting again for freedom i think that you have to have seen it once or maybe lived it once to be that brave, to ready to fight back. Now, obviously, most of the people 
who were rallying at the church location were not from Poland, were not from the former Soviet bloc, were not from other communist regimes. But I think if you ever came from a place like that, you don't need a warm-up. You don't need to be yeah. told 10 times. You've seen this before. You know how it ends. And you know what happens if people go along to get along. I, uh, I just, I can't believe it's happening quickly in democracy. My reaction is to fight harder. I think other people, their reaction is just to cover their eyes. Yeah, there were actually two ladies that I spoke to that were down at the protest site. And I just spoke to them randomly. I didn't have a clue who they were. One lady was Romanian, and she said what is happening to the church with the property being seized is exactly what happened to, I think it was her uncle in Romania, because he wouldn't go along to get along with the government at the time. And then the lady who was from Poland, she was a member of the Polish Solidarity Movement, and I thought she had some very important things to say because, as you know, much of the Polish Solidarity Movement was fostered and fomented by the Catholic Church and by Saint Pope John Paul II. Mm -hmm. And she said back then the church were the church and the priests, they were the leaders mm -hmm. of the movement toward freedom. And now she called the priests and the pastors who are going along with the government right now collaborators mm -hmm. in what's happening mm -hmm. to the Christians and our religious freedom. You're so right. I mean, Pope John Paul II, who's now been sainted, his, he was born with the name Carol Wojtyla. He yeah. was the first Polish pope. And what a lucky coincidence that was, because mm -hmm. when he went to Poland, the government couldn't very well say, no, the first Polish pope can't come to Poland. It was a very difficult thing for the Soviets and the communists and their you know, colonial uh, dictator in Poland to handle. And when Pope John Paul II went to Poland and had a mass with over a million people there, and he was very careful with what he said, and he said, be not afraid. Mm -hmm. And they just stopped being afraid. And you're exactly right. The church, the Pope, Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, it took all three of them to bring down uh, the Soviet bloc. But it, I guess let me close by asking you a question. Put aside the Pope. Where are the bishops, the pastors, the rabbis, the imams? Where is any religious leader in Canada standing in solidarity with the Grace Life Church? Like, is there even one? There are uh, nobody from, uh, I would suggest, from the main line. Catholic Church that has spoken up against what's happening at Grace Life. And that's a great shame of my own. I was at church last night, in fact, and uh, I'm watching our faith leaders oversee the immediate death of the church, because the only people who are in attendance at church these days with the limited capacity are the people too elderly to use Zoom or YouTube. Nobody else is there. It's instantly aging and killing the church. And uh, on the flip side, we've seen people from the United Church and other um, evangelical leaders even speaking out against Pastor James, hmm. saying, why can't he just go along with the government? It's not the Christian thing to do to be disobedient hmm. to the government. Tell that to the early Christians. Yeah, unbelievable. And I also would add the media in there too. 
Um, most yes. of the media that care about this are outside Canada. Most of the media inside Canada are cheering on the police. It's shocking. Mm -hmm. Sheila, thanks for covering that story. I know you will continue to do so. Frankly, I you're will. the only journalist they trust, and it's easy to see why. Thanks very much. And let me invite viewers to watch the entire report that Sheila did. You can find that elsewhere on our channel. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, Ezra. All right, there you have it. Sheila Gunn, our chief reporter. Stay with us more. Hey, welcome back. On my show last night, Gene writes, you guys are my new heroes. Long live Rebel News. Thanks, Gene. I, I hope we do live long. It's always dangerous when you holler at an armed police force with the corruption issues that Montreal's police have. That's a dangerous police force. I wouldn't want to be uh, governed by them because I think they really are lawless. Ryan writes, Ezra, your team is gutsy. You're one of the only Canadian news outlets who are exposing the truth. Well, that's why the police hate us. That's why the other media hate us. We are dissenters in this whole pandemic society. We're the only ones willing to call it out. Not the only ones, but certainly the media party is in CTV, CBC, Global, Global Mail, Toronto Star, all the big media, they're all on one side. I think that's why the establishment hates us. They've always disliked us. But on this pandemic, we simply are dissenting, and they hate that. Bob writes, you know you're doing something incredibly important when it comes up with such resistance. I feel so proud of the whole team. Way to go. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we still don't know the damage done to us because we understand they're going to send massive fines in the mail. They didn't tell us that. They told La Presse, a left-leaning newspaper in Montreal. We also have to defend David. So the battle's not done, but I'm glad everyone is physically safe. If you want to see more about that, we're uploading new videos that we were working on all weekend. You can see those at LockdownReports.com. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.